0: Today we just got a little grab bag here. Grab bag of articles from around the music verse, and I guess we got to start with one that's kind of already worked its way around Twitter pretty heavily. But uh, Eric Clapton will not play shows where proof of vaccine is required. His In reputation response... is going out the window. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it like it's needed to go out the window for a while. Literally, I see. I mean, I see what you're doing there, but it's just catching up to all the dumb shit he said over the last half century. You know?
1: It's weird when. People this age just don't understand how to not, like, destroy your legacy in your last few years. Like, Paul McCartney knows how to work it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like, David Bowie. Like, a, a lot of people managed to stay, if not, like, culturally vital, uh, at least, like, widely beloved. Well,
0: like, McCartney's one weird anything- thing was just the jacking off story. I think that was the one, like... <laughs> it's not, like, a cancelable thing, like all the shit that Clapton has said, but... Uh, yeah. it's still very bizarre to like spring that on people in your seventies or
1: eighties. No, I, mean. I think yeah. that's cool now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose.
1: Kids think it's yeah, cool Everybody if, loves If, doing if that. your band's gay and they jack each other off.
2: I think, I think like Bowie and, and Paul McCartney were both, whether you like their music or not, they're both like at least go, on the side of good for the most, most of their career, you know? And Clapton, I think has always been a piece of shit. It's just like he, managed to get away with it through the seventies and the eighties.
1: Yeah, Yeah, totally. He has more, he has more of a reputation than you would expect him to have given like the racism stuff that speech he made about Enoch Powell, uh, stealing George Harrison's wife, uh, letting his kid fall out of the window and then having someone else write the lyrics for tears in heaven about it.
0: Yeah. You were just telling us about that. I had no idea that he didn't write those. That's like insane.
2: blew my mind yeah but like how how much did he extend his career off of that song you know like that it was definitely like the hook was it was he was he was singing about something painful that happened to him you know i, I think that like
1: it was the guy who wrote ex- the lyrics for the titanic song
2: yeah yeah that's
1: my amazing. heart will go on how do you ask someone else to write a song about your baby yeah you're right his name is will jennings he didn't know your baby
2: yeah and and just like every every time he says or does something vaguely shitty i mean this is pretty shitty the 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 uh the recent news is pretty shitty but like every time he says or does something pretty shitty ev- inevitably somebody brings up that enoch powell speech right and i just it just never sticks <laughs>
1: Like, i think it's because like gradually he's lost esteem with like uh Maybe starting with Gen X and then there's yeah. never really been a millennial revival like there has been with like uh Steely Dan or like other boomer bands that Gen X kinda soured on. Um Yeah, right. But yeah, I, I think it's because he had that like adult contemporary turn pretty early, so people were most exposed to him. Like people under a certain age, we were first exposed to him with Tears in Heaven or Wonderful Tonight yeah. or Change the World or like just like with slop,
2: basically with the unplugged session, like yeah, one of the worst albums
1: w- of all time,
2: absolutely. And, and that, yeah, extended Clapton's career through the 90s, basically.
0: So, I looked up uh, that guy Will Jennings who wrote the lyrics for uh, Tears in Heaven. He has a good quote on the Wikipedia page for it where he's just like. Uh, Clapton came to him and talked about writing the song And he's kind of like Trying to make the song Clapton's again By being like, Eric had written the first verse Of the song, which to me is all the song <laughs> So,
1: <laughs> I guess for me, because I turn it off every time
0: Yeah, touche <laughs> But then he just went on like This is a song that's so personal and so sad That it is, it is unique in my experience of writing songs But if it's so personal, it's kind of weird That you wrote most of it it's not actually
1: yeah. that
2: personal. It's not really personal. It also at all.
1: wasn't even his house. It was a uh, it was his mistress in Italy. A model in Italy. She had the kid at her house and he was in America, I think. So like it's not very personal, I don't think. He just got a phone call that like the kid he hadn't seen since it was born died from like the the woman he cheated on his wife with. And also I don't care enough about it to write the, write the lyrics. I (laughs) gave up after the first verse and it's not even specific shit. It's just like, if I saw you in heaven, would you know my name? What the fuck does that mean? That's nothing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say that for like, for like a a a song about such a tragic and personal issue. It sure seems like the lyrics have been left vague enough for people to interpret it any old way they want, which is like a classic pop thing you know like
1: yeah it doesn't have to be about the kid it could be about like anyone dying
2: kind of seems also like it's just about a girl leaving him too sort of yeah i don't know
0: i just i'm reading his statement about like not playing shows uh where you have to have proof of vaccination and the way he phrased it was i wish to say that i will not perform on any stage where there is a discriminated audience present Great way to try to flip that back around. He's a champion against discrimination. Always He's
2: has doing the... accountability. Yeah. He's doing a growth.
1: I mean, if you think about it, does anyone really care about like old boomers who are purposely not vaccinated and who want to go to an Eric Clapton show? I'm not worried about them.
0: That's true. If anything, there needs to be just be one exclusive show for unvaccinated boomers that just pile them all into one, you know? Yeah, get yeah, them all this is in a... one
1: big warehouse with, like, Mike Lindell, Eric Clapton, Van Morrison, yes. Yes. Donald Trump Jr.
2: This is a much simpler, less expensive version of uh, an idea that Arlen from Wolf Parade and I had uh, years ago, which was a, a boomer festival on, like, uh, an island in the South Pacific, and then you just drop a hydrogen bomb on it.
0: It's what they would have done to others.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Do it on the Bikini Atoll.
2: Yep, yeah, that's right
0: Bikini Atoll, is that where Spongebob lives, dude? No, dude, Spongebob lives underwater You fucking idiot Oh, yeah um, But Alex, you uh, discovered another great thing here uh, Clapton's 2013 studio album Which might just be This is like the epitome of boomer excellence here It's a studio album, not a live album Almost 70 minutes long and it includes only two new songs, both of which were written for him by other people.
1: <laughs> I listened to both of
0: them, and
1: they've both got a reggae thing. Every Little Thing, which is one of the originals, the quote-unquote originals on the album, uh, it's, the verses are a rip on Bell Bottom Blues, which is already a rip of something off of Abbey Road. That was his way of uh, attracting George Harrison's wife, was writing a George Harrison song. it's like putting on a skin suit of someone else uh but yeah that's uh really pretty worthless and the rest are just covers and he keeps doing the reggae thing which is
2: yeah yeah he covers a peter tosh song in an attempt to uh do another i shot the sheriff
1: his cover of i shot the sheriff like not even talking about how he's racist and he like profited off black music and then When I went on stage and said that black people shouldn't be in Britain. uh, It's just a horrible cover. It's awful. Yeah. All of like the funkiness and like the lightness in it is taken out. It's led in and it got to number one. Yeah. And he he should be like on his knees every day thanking black people (laughs) for allowing him to ruin their song. Yeah. basically be like Pat Boone for reggae uh but he's biting the hand that feeds.
2: Yeah, so Yeah, and as the as the album cover, you know, clearly displays, he doesn't give a fuck. He, he Yeah, it's the perfect album anything. cover.
0: When you got a track list of songs where you wrote none of them and you're releasing it as a new studio album, you got to have cover art to match and the album cover is just a selfie he took on his iphone when he was on vacation in antigua it's the what he his
1: angle that every old guy yeah. has as a Facebook yeah exactly just curve.
0: imagine any old guy's selfie and then that's exactly what it is yep press the phone to your chest <laughs> it's such an uh, amazing boomer artifact because like he's not like trying to intentionally do any kind of trope but pairing that selfie with such an incredibly phoned-in album where everyone else basically did the work for you is just, like, the ideal vision of Boomer success, you know?
2: Oh, and the, and the lettering on the album cover is in, literally in the fucking log font.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like tiki bar <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Dan, you were like talking tiki- about uh, tropical islands, vacation, desti- vacation destinations and how yeah. uh weird and depressing they are like for everyone except boomers.
2: Yeah, boomers love them. I yeah, I was talking about how uh my ex-wife's uh dad lives in Aruba and we used to go down there and I you know, I'd never really been to the Caribbean before uh before that. Never never really had the chance to go to the Caribbean uh before that. And I remember the first time I went down I was I obviously I loved it for the first like 6 hours and then slowly the darkness of the island revealed itself to me it was pretty obvious that uh the whole place is basically segregated you know there's uh the awful colonial history of it is just right under the surface um it's uh also part of the Netherlands so if you're like a dutch mercenary and you want to live the rest of your days out um and not necessarily move to like a quote-unquote different country you can go live at aruba and be a piece of shit on the beach for the rest of your life it sucks
1: are those guys red
2: oh yeah they're the reddest people you've ever seen just like like big big tall doughy dutchmen gone to flab like white hair beat red faces
1: that's why they stopped using irish indentured servants for real. Like, they stopped bringing them in because they would just die of skin cancer. <laughs> They're just overheat. It's just, it's not even worth putting them on the boat.
2: And, you know, inevitably, inevitably, all of those places, there's a small strip of, uh, there's a small geographical strip of the island that you will see as a tourist. And then there's the rest of the place. So.
1: Yeah. I've probably said this before, but if you listen to Kokomo, uh, you can. View it as being from the point of view of a slave uh, ship owner, like *Amazing Grace*, like *Amazing Grace*, but on the way there instead of the way back. Yeah. Or I guess on the way back, because you would be talking to the slaves, like, Aruba, Jamaica, ooh I
0: want to take you. Yeah.
2: Key Largo, <laughs> Montego. I don't
0: Well, I'm looking it up now. Maybe the only line that doesn't work is "Tropical drink melting in your hand." <laughs> I guess so. Maybe like uh, sugar syrup, but that wouldn't really mm-hmm. be melting. Man, some of the lyrics to that song are such a stretch. Like, long after he's doing Aruba and Jamaica, Bermuda, Bahama, he's doing Port-au-Prince, I want to catch a glimpse.
1: This song's so bad. Dude. Does he actually say Port-au-Prince? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, has Mike Love been there? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> I'm sure he hasn't. Like, in the 80s? I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of old musicians who suck uh, and are past their prime, which was very meager and very short, Aaron Lewis from Stained uh, has fully transitioned from being, like, not just a fake country guy, but, like, a a MAGA performer. Like, he's just betting that he's going to be playing at, like, QAnon rallies from now on or something. He has a new song called... uh, Am I the only one where he says uh, another statue coming down in a town near you watching the threads of old glory come undone? Why didn't he say come unglued? Like yeah. Puddle of Mud. Come <laughs> unglued. Am I the only one who quits singing along every time they play a Springsteen song? Wow. <laughs> Very like on the nose shit. Not, uh, not too subtle. And he says, do you th- uh, am I the only one willing to bleed or take a bullet
2: for being free?
1: And he's not.
2: He definitely is he, not. He's
1: not. Like, how do you <laughs> even say that? Like, it's like something you would put in a joke.
2: Where is he taking this bullet? Like in what? Situation is he taking this bullet
0: <laughs> he thinks he's going to get dime bagged it's just, no it's just like a five finger death punch stealing troop valor, and all the troops love it anyway yeah do you guys
2: think this is do you think he really believes this shit or do you think this is uh this is just him seeing the sort of windows of opportunity close and narrow and just like how can I make some money who What is a niche audience I can appeal to
0: I, I suspect he more or less believes it. Yeah, I think so. Cause like Alex, you were saying, like the town he's from is like you know median income of like a hundred fifty k a year or something. Like some yeah, wealthy Longmeadow, suburb Massachusetts.
1: Kinda. It's like pretty close to me. It's a, a suburb of Springfield that okay. uh, tripled in population between nineteen sixty five and nineteen seventy five. Uh, you know what that means? Ninety five point forty
2: two percent white. <laughs> There you go.
1: Median income 115,000. Um he's from there. Same place as Joey Santiago from the Pixies actually, who never talks about that shit. He doesn't say he's a country boy cuz he's not.
0: Yeah,
2: totally. Yeah.
1: It's like a yeah. very posh neighborhood.
2: This is an insane response from the uh from the label head. Uh Scott Borchetta, who's the head of uh, Big Machine Label Group. Like
0: Taylor Swift. I think she left it, right? but
2: Yeah, he said, Aaron Lewis and I have political disagreements, but there are also things we agree on. That's the foundation for the idea of our country. All right? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work if we're so divided that we can't reach across the aisle, have a conversation or argument, and ultimately shake hands. If we can't do that, and this moment is so divisive, we may never get our country back. That is just the fucking dumbest shit that's obama (laughs) rhetoric
1: one on the country charts i guess it works because that demographic is like as much as people make fun of liberals for being so susceptible to like woke marvel shit uh you would never have a song go to number one that was just like uh about how trump is orange
2: no like Mm -hmm. no it would never happen even
1: like the lamest uh, sicko libs are not gonna send a song to the charts that's yeah like just called like black lives matter and it's
0: yeah, like randy rainbow it, parodies aren't number one on billboard
1: yeah that's the equivalent yeah. it's just i guess if you can mind that audience by saying like, i love the flag i love america i'll take a bullet for my country theoretically uh yeah get that money
2: you get a lot of overlapping groups in there you've got stained fans right and then and then you've got uh christians and then you've got people who are just weird mega chuds and country music fans so it's like it's it's just the royal sampler
0: i also like his impeach biden hat which is such a stretch no matter what you think of biden it's like what on earth are you possibly going to impeach him for
2: for being old
0: It must be like an election stealing thing, I guess, but it's such a stretch. It's so bad, dude.
1: The afternoon we recorded this, uh, July 22nd, he got drunk on stage and he played It's Been a While twice (laughs) and then (laughs) realized it and admitted to it.
2: does this guy not write set lists down? I mean, come on, I, man. I don't it's think like the first he, thing you learn.
0: I think he has two songs now. It's It's Been a While and then The Racist And, out, and Outside, though. That was the and one he, outside. Had, he meant to play that song, but he started playing the same one again. He plays it extra
1: slow, and it's already like a painfully slow song. It's yeah. Been a While is. And it's on this tinny little acoustic guitar that's not miked. <laughs> so it seems like he doesn't really give a shit, and he's
0: just... Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, feel like his heart's in it. That's kind of, it makes me think of the Goldwaters though, where like they were doing their performances without a bass player. Cause he quit before their tour and they were just doing these political rallies anyway. It's like the, the bar for doing right wing music is so low that just by doing it, the audience usually appreciates you being there. Like, yeah, we got to stick it to them, you know? Yeah.
2: Exactly. It's a very
0: accepting audience.
2: Yeah, they're almost like, like Crest Punk fans, you know. You can go to you go to like a basement crest show, everything sounds like shit. Sounds like a you know, like a jet engine with some with the cookie monster over top of it. <laughs> and and people will love it. They'll buy the they'll buy the fucking merch. They'll buy a back patch. Same thing.
1: Some of the comments on this video of him playing the same song twice, uh, they support him, which is funny. There's one that says based <laughs> cool. Yeah, uh, you're
0: jealous of him. The wrong you're. You know what's funny? Like uh, back to the Clapton thing. I went to Fox News's post of that article, assuming that I would find some insane things in the comments. And surprisingly, it was like 99% of people were anti-Clapton on there. Like either he shouldn't be doing the show, or he's so washed up that no one gives a shit. Like, right. Fox News is no longer the vanguard of conservative insanity, where it's just like, oh yeah, there's actually more reasonable replies here than you would think. You need to find, like, Newsmax or whatever to get a little bit more, you more have crazy. To go you Gab or something.
1: I think probably yeah, a lot of the yeah, Fox true. News commenters yeah. are, like, people from MSNBC who mm-hmm. are infiltrating, or, or like, they're, uh, they're hate-clicking on those articles.
0: Yeah, I figured as much there'd be yeah. some of that, but it was pretty much unanimous. Where it makes me feel like, I don't know, the, like, again, Vox just isn't like the vanguard of that kind of insanity. Like, there's a little bit of it out there, but they, like, they're not willing to push the boundary as far as all like the new players in the conservative media
2: game. Yeah, it's too hot, too wild. Do you think maybe also because he's British, too? Yeah,
0: that could be. They don't have enough, uh, not enough patriotism to blind them to his faults. We need to reach out to the guy from Puddle of
1: Mud and tell him to pivot to this shit. Yes. If he makes a song about how they need to keep the Robert E. Lee statues up, he could get an audience <laughs> that would be like cheering him on for getting so drunk while singing a song that he just, like, just falls
0: down and goes to sleep. I honestly dazed. wonder... <laughs> they would like wonder, draw him as the Chad. I'd be curious if he has tried that already because now that he is not in control of the Puddle of Mud name and he's kicked out of the band... I don't think anyone knows his name besides... Actually, I can't even think of his name right now.
1: Yeah, I've probably read more about him than 99.99999% <laughs> yeah. of humanity, and I don't remember his we, name.
0: We talked about him on like three episodes, and I knew his name for like three months, and I already forgot it. So he might have released that song, and even we've just forgotten who he is, and he just can't promote it, you know? I think his name was Kurt Cobain. Yes. Yeah, that's, that sounds right to me.
2: Chris Cornell.
0: But uh, here's a little bit more of an upbeat, fun, quick hit from our friends at the Metalhead Zone. Yes. Uh, I was kind of just browsing around looking for stuff on there. And I think this is a very fun one. D. Snyder explains how Black Sabbath's satanic sound affected teenagers. This is like, it's only five paragraphs long, so I think we should just read basically the whole thing in full here. Twisted Sister frontman Dee Snider recalled the first time he became a fan of Black Sabbath when he was a young boy during his recent... er, uh, He became a fan of Black Sabbath when he was a young boy during his recent interview with Classic Rock. A magazine just called (laughs) Classic Rock.
2: Classic Rock. Uh,
0: Also, he talked about the satanic tone of Black Sabbath's self-titled debut album's influences on teens. As you may know, Black Sabbath is defined as the milestone of the heavy metal genre. Okay. Um, They put out their first album in 1970, whatever. The tracks of Black Sabbath consisted of certain themes such as, and this is in bold, evil, (laughs) paganism, Satanism, and the occult, which would be the key elements of heavy metal later. For instance, N.I.B. was written and composed to reflect the thoughts and feelings of Lucifer himself. In his interview, D. Snyder emphasized that Black Sabbath affected many teenagers with their satanic sounds and lyrics, which drew them... Bold, closer to love the evil and Satan. (laughs) Moreover, (laughs) Snyder also revealed that he became a fan of Black Sabbath after a high school battle of the bands while he was sitting in the audience and heard a band playing their song. He also formed a band some years later that Bold only played the songs of Black Sabbath. D added that (laughs) teens were so much under the influence of Black Sabbath's satanic sounds that they, Bold, they should they would should fuck love to Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) I think they mean they would shout fuck love to Ozzy Osbourne whenever he expressed the band's love toward them as it can be. And then he makes a little statement that reiterates all that. Like there's a one paragraph quote from him reiterating all that shit. Uh, uh, as it can be understood from his statement, Black Sabbath's stu- self-titled debut studio album inspired Snyder's bold choice of music as a profession. And this choice <laughs> led him to become the frontman of one of the most popular and commercially successful metal bands. I love that article because it's, it's like a third grader's like, book report,
1: you know? New proof shows Gene Simmons was wrong with his claim that rock is dead. There's new, <laughs> new pr- proof. There's new
0: proof. <laughs> Scientists new proof. have found proof that Rock's not dead. we Lindell found can I, absolute I, proof. Can we go back to one thing from the D. Snyder thing that is worth touching on, though? He formed a band that only played the songs of Black Sabbath. I think that's just a cover band. And, uh,
2: another thing we could touch on is how this totally contradicts his testimony in front of the Senate, like during the Satanic Panic, like PMRC shit, like the Tipper Gore era. It's like Dee Snider like testified about heavy metal music, saying that it it wasn't evil and it was it wasn't driving kids to uh, suicide. He you know? pulled
0: one over on Tipper Gore.
2: Yeah, that's kind of amazing. If this is if he's just like, eh, I'm just gonna, uh, I actually believe it is evil. It's purely evil. It's a conduit to Satan himself, and that's why I started uh, Twisted Sister. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I think... That's is this, evil.
0: Is this a new, uh, like style guide thing for Metalhead Zone to just bold random phrases like, uh, choice of music as a profession?
2: Yeah. You can't click on these. I'm kind of, I, like, I was like, are these links? Like what's No, they just
0: really here? wanted you to, to pay attention to those phrases. I think they do it randomly because that's what it's supposed to look like. Certain things have the big letters. This website's always a pleasure to read, because every time we check it, there's just some kind of weird idiosyncrasy. It can't be explained.
1: I'm puzzled by this article about Gene Simmons and Rock not being dead, (laughs) because the citation is for an account called Chart Data on Twitter that's not verified. And it says the best-selling groups by total pure album sales in the U.S. this year. One is BTS, two is The Beatles. Metallica, Queen, Fleetwood Mac, Pink Floyd, ACDC, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Led Zeppelin. Which that is sounds like rock is true. definitely dead. That's just not yeah. true. Like the best. Sounds like AC/DC did not have the seventh best-selling album of 2021. If you take make-
0: that, if you take that at face value, that that's true. That means rock is dead because none of those bands have done shit in 30 years.
2: Yeah, and BTS is not a rock band, so case closed.
0: It must be a BTS
1: fan. Or someone maybe, they wanted to pander to the classic rock crowd, but they also didn't want to attract the ire of BTS fans. So they made BTS number one, but the rest of it's classic rock. (laughs) What's the specific wording on what chart that's supposed to be? Total pure album sales in the U.S.
2: this year. What does pure mean? It means that you include
0: the streams and stuff like that as partial album sales. So like maybe it's feasible based on that. But even if it's it true, just it just shows that how dead sense. it is.
1: Like why wouldn't it be Bruno Mars or something?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Or da Baby.
1: Yeah, da Baby. You're telling me there isn't one rapper in the best selling albums? And they reposted this as if it's news. <laughs>
2: <laughs> how did this happen <laughs> someone who writes for metalhead zone found this account and was like i've got it i have an article
0: and wait what you does that have to do with gene news. S- is it gene simmons who retweeted that or how does gene simmons come into this story it has nothing to do with gene simmons gene simmons just <laughs> uh, happened um, to say rock is dead but it's framed <laughs> as being proof that he was wrong this rules proven wrong gene simmons claimed that bts is dead but he's wrong. They're all still alive. We're going to leave Metalhead Zone for just a general story about Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama. I mean, they did this podcast for Spotify, which was like six episodes that they clearly just did in one day, you know what I mean? It's like, a, mm-hmm. it makes me think of that Simpsons thing where Krusty's recording the vocals for the little Krusty doll and he just goes into the studio, <laughs> reads them all immediately and walks right out the door. Like that's what the Springsteen Obama podcast is like. And now they're milking it more to publish a book that's just based on the podcast conversations. And, uh, pitchfork did a blurb of like in the books, opening pages, Obama writes over the years, what we've found is that we've got a shared sensibility about work and family and America and all this shit. And it's like, that's the description of their podcast. Like if you look up the, yes. the like PR thing for their podcast, That's what this is. They just put their own press release into a book and then had someone pull quotes from their very short podcast and just slap it all together and try to sell it back to people as a book.
2: Who listens to to that shit? We should do a fortune kit book.
0: Yeah, why not? Just make someone uh, listen back to the episodes and and, uh, transcribe them and just find a couple uh, blurbs and we're good to go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Who is buying this shit? It's like like people who
1: love doing homework. Middle-aged people who love school and homework. Because this is... Like, why do you want to listen to Obama? He's so fucking boring. Like, and I read his book when I was either. like 15, and it's so boring. It's just pablum. He's just a robot. There's nothing there. Why would you want to listen to him talk to Bruce Springsteen, who's just been on tour for 50 years? Like, what does he have to talk about?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you were talking about it before we started recording, Alex, but like Bruce Springsteen has probably never hasn't talked to a, a regular person in 40 years. Like I'm not exactly sure what he has to say about America, you know. Like his quote is in it's uh he says there were serious conversations about the fate of the country, the fortune of its citizens, the destructive ugly corrupt forces at play that would like to take it all down. This is a time of vil- vigilance when we uh, when who we are is being seriously tested, it goes on and on. Will we let slip through our hands the best of us, or will we turn united to face the fire? Yeah. There's no kinda, specifics. Just, it just about sounds anything. like a shitty Bruce Springsteen song. It sounds like something off The Rising. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's filler.
2: Yeah, like it, it is. It,
1: I can feel my brain turning off when I read that. Because there's nothing to cling on to. There's, there are no neurons firing. It's like yeah.
0: no specific issue is mentioned, no solution is given. It's all extreme. And from uh, when me and Branson were looking at their uh, podcast for uh, like to sort of get uh, ideas for E1, all the names of the episodes are like fatherhood and family and like what it means to be an American and just all this like vague bullshit.
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I love Bruce Springsteen, like uh, his albums. A lot of them but i don't need this i don't want it <laughs> and it's it's fucking sad man the elite sort of like
1: gen x boomer culture is interesting to me it's not bad but it's like i don't know that's the closest thing we have to like a cultural arbiter i guess yeah like that's the uh the closest thing we have to like the monoculture And it's very... It's like that. It's all shit like that and like Bob Dylan,
2: The Wire, NPR. Well, it's just super hollow. There's like... Yeah, that quote. He's not... Like you said, there's nothing to grab onto. He's not really saying anything. He's not... He's talking around... I mean, it's hard to even talk about it. But yeah, he's not defining his terms. He's not being specific about anything. It's all like very broad statements about facing the demons and the fire and asking better questions. Cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And this is something I was saying before we started recording too, but it's like with guys like Dylan and Springsteen, they have like a specific talent to write good issue based songs that do convey some kind of like deeper substantive meaning. But in conversation and as political thinkers, especially with Bob Dylan, there was never anything there on like a deeper level. He, he was somehow yeah. really good at creating very precise and interesting songs like in the 60s. But anytime he was like pressed about it, he would just deflect because he's not that smart of a guy. He's just like a savant for a specific thing, which he's good at. But anyone whose politics is based around those people is just insane because there's like nothing there. It's kind of like in the episodes we did with Ramson where we talked about that, where like the music itself is not ultimately meaningfully political. And then having a yeah. conversation like this between Springsteen and Obama and then just morphing it into a book to get another $30 out of each person who listened is so cynical and just <laughs> so like vacuous, you know?
1: It must be a coffee table book. If you want to impress your, uh, like your NPR listener friends, Like, if if your social circle is all 62-year-old college professors, it would be great to have this book around. Like, if if you're a, a UC Berkeley professor and all of your friends come
0: around for, like, what would they have? A white fragility struggle session? I don't know. And one of them says, this is a time for serious consideration of who we want to be and what kind of country we will leave to our children. And then the other person says, well, actually, Bruce Springsteen was saying just the th- same thing in this uh, book that I read. That's just a transcription of him talking to Obama for a few hours. <laughs> and this this
2: is this book is a product of uh, Obama's uh, production company, Higher Ground, which is also which has also released the uh, Michelle Obama documentary, Netflix documentary promoting her book tour. Which is just like, it's so bleak, man. Obama named
1: that after the Red Hot Chili Peppers song. He didn't know it was
0: a cover.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. Actually,
0: wait. this book also includes, in addition to the podcast material, uh, it includes handwritten Springsteen lyrics and annotated Obama speeches. (laughs)
2: Let me be clear. I uh, love the Red Hot Chili Peppers song, uh, Sexy Mexican Maid.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of their hit album, Love Angel Music Baby.
2: It's just... Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cultural space that it seems very big and very weighted, but ultimately, like, meaningless, you know? like it's None of this stuff is going to do anything. It's like people desperately
1: yeah. clinging to something that has an objective sort of status, which I wish it existed, too, that there was, like, a, a, a cut-and-dry elite high culture that everybody agreed on, like there was in past eras. But there really isn't. Everything's so fragmented now, but they make these cultural products that just signify, like, an elite status.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But also they don't it's- say anything or do anything new. It's just parading around, like, uh, beloved apolitical-ish cultural figures that are, like, sanitized and... Presentable and have them say sweet nothings to each other. Yeah, Yeah, imagine
0: taking the premise of this book seriously and you really like their ideas on leaving a better America to our children. You know, like, how subs like, what are you compelled to do after that? So you read the book and you're like, okay, (laughs) well, uh, climate change is a problem, so I want to leave a better america to my children so what are you going to do you're going to vote for democrats who then never pass adequate legislation to address the issue like if that's what you're going to do then why'd you read the book because you're doing nothing like you're just doing absolutely nothing like what it's meaningful the, action is going to be compelled by such a like surface level meaningless conversation
2: it's to make you feel good for listening to it continuing to, to vote a-
0: for democrats
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah this book is 50 dollars
2: oh my really? god yeah Goddamn. Yeah. It's definitely like the opposite of this is like Billy Bragg going and playing at the miners' strike, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Like, like there, uh, the the content of your art, like aside, there is a way to, you know, materially be an ally to the things you talk about. <laughs> totally. You can. It's easy to do. It's even easier now, I think, than you know, it was when. Billy Bragg like perform for striking miners, but like
1: they could start by making the book cheaper.
2: Yeah, that's uh, yeah. If they these, both got
1: <laughs> enough money, why don't you make it twenty five dollars? they it free, Why don't you dude. sell it at just,
0: cost?
2: Yeah, just transformative ideas. Like they uh, should have released it, it as,
0: as a zine and then just brought it to local uh, booksellers.
2: They should uh, drop it like leaflets on uh, on on American cities.
0: What well, is a
1: hardcover?
2: <laughs> yeah. But that would help with the
1: global new world order depopulation project. Yeah, totally.
2: Book drops. Good news. Good news everybody. We're dropping the uh we're dropping the expanded edition of the Springsteen Obama book. It's four thousand pages long. We'll be dropping thousands of them on major city centers.
1: We're doing one laptop per child again in their like uh nineteen eighty three laptops. And we're dropping yeah. them out May- of a helicopter as well.
2: Yeah, limited supply. So make sure to be outside, uh, standing in a big group. That's <laughs> the purpose the of in the sending, sending aid. <laughs> like just yeah, giant old laptops dropped from like a prop plane.
1: <laughs> Anything where they try to do that is so funny, like darkly funny. I was reading about the Rwandan genocide or the, uh, the refugee crisis in the surrounding countries afterward. Uh, And, like, the U.S. would just drop food, like, out of a helicopter, and then people would stampede each other to get it, so they stopped doing it. Oh, God. (laughs) They just can't think of a better way to get the supply lines
0: than just dropping shit out of the sky.
2: What Are they going to send Americans in there? It's dangerous, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, here's another quick hit that you found, uh, Alex. Another uh, favorite of the show, Buck Cherry's... Josh Todd. Josh Todd. He had a cool thing where he wants to front a Minor Threat reunion, <laughs> except that Minor Threat is not having a reunion or looking for a front man. That's
1: very why did funny.
0: I,
2: why don't I just say, I really like Minor Threat? And yeah, sometimes I like basically to. Um, what the and story... sometimes I like to pretend that I'm the frontman for Minor Threat. That would be so cool. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what the whole thing boils down to. That's
1: one of those bands where you would have to change the name if you got a new singer. Like uh like audio slave, like uh, like raged audio slave, you couldn't have minor thread, and it's Josh Todd. It wouldn't be minor threat. Like you can't get rid of the main guy and then have it be the same band. <laughs> Inaccess tried to do it, but that was unseemly.: Yes. Queen as well, and journey. Whenever you get rid of the main guy and put a new one in, it's just kind of there's something dirty about it.
0: Yeah, and, and Stereogum kind of nailed the uh, cognitive dissonance there. Of, uh, they wrote, given that Todd is notorious for singing I Love the Cocaine on a song called Lit Up, and Minor Threat are the most foundational band in straight-edge hardcore who actively railed against, quote, snorting white shit up your nose and famously proclaimed, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't fuck, at least I can fucking think. This would be an awkward fit to say the least.
1: <laughs> Lit Up is a great song. It's got a really stupid riff that's almost uh like polyrhythmic. It's like, like on almost accident. in a Yeah, it's like <laughs> almost in a weird time signature. What a great song. If um yeah. if, so if uh, Josh Todd
0: was gonna front minor threat, they should cover lit up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think Ian McKay did backpedal on a lot of that shit. Yeah. Or he didn't really subscribe to like the most hardcore edge people.
2: Well he was a teenager when he wrote those songs so
1: yeah that's the thing like a lot of those people weren't even able to buy alcohol (laughs) (laughs) and when they turned 21 it's like well okay
0: (laughs) exactly that's like i knew this one kid uh in freshman year of college i knew this guy he was like a you know like a texas uh christian uh who was just like Yeah, you know, I'm not going to have sex till I'm like married. And then immediately when he found a girl who wanted to sleep with him, he just immediately did. He's like, yeah, I guess I changed my mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't mean too much when you're like 13 and you're like, I'm edge.
0: Yeah, then once it's in front of you, you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do this.
2: All of the most militant straight edge people I knew, like in the hardcore scene on Vancouver Island became the most insane drunks like a year later, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like uh, the best thing about the story though is that like Ian Mackay's still around, right? Like there's no reason why he wouldn't front his own band. It's really funny yeah, has, to just say that he has like the evens. Yeah, I would uh you know what? Uh, if if Wolf Parade's doing a tour, I'd front the band. Yeah, why not?
2: Oh like you take over for Spencer? Ooh. I'm I would okay. take
0: I'll take over for both of you.
2: Okay. All right. Deal. How about
1: Wolf Parade with Rome?
2: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> where Spencer and I are both still in the band, but not <laughs> singing any of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest possible outcome. <laughs> people should do
1: that. You hear about people doing that in the early 60s. Like the Beatles were the backing band for some guy. I don't know. No one knows who that guy is. Uh, and um, Steely Dan were the backing band for Jay and the Americans. Like, people should do that again. Bands that are, like, way more talented should just be the backing band for
0: uh, Mark McGrath. Like, when the Beach Boys... uh, The Beach Boys... Actually, wait, they weren't the backing band for uh, the Monster Mash guy. They just covered it, right? I think so. I already forgot. We'd have to listen. Someone should go listen to our own episode and tell us. (laughs) They were
1: the backing band for Jan and Dean, I think.
0: Oh,
2: Okay. Well, Fred could be the backing band for Aaron Lewis because it seems like he's kind of flailing out there just by himself with his guitar. (laughs) I would remind him that he's already played the song that he just played. You know?
0: Yeah. That's all he needs. It's been a while since I played this song. (laughs) But I think like the thing of trying to declare yourself eligible for a band that doesn't need a member... It's almost like you're just trying to smell blood in the water. Like you, if you're smart, you're gonna look for the band that is known for fighting constantly, and just insert oh, yeah. yourself in the conversation in the media. You know, like I guess Oasis would be the easiest
2: one. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, or like
0: I'll just volunteer myself. I'd be glad to. I'll do both of their. It's not that hard to sing and play guitar at the same time. I'll sing and play in Oasis if they want me. You know,
1: they did have a show on uh, MTV Unplugged or something where Liam didn't want to be in the band cuz he was mad so Noel just was the singer and then nice. Liam was in a <laughs> balcony he doesn't like, need him heckling like <laughs> Stadler and Waldorf the whole time oh that rules <laughs> so it'd be very yeah. easy
0: to propose a new singer for them
1: yeah no, a I'm, pro- I'm proposing myself like,
0: if we only play the first 2 albums I'd have a legitimate a lot of fun doing it you know would you and do all do the, the guitar accent? parts are so fucking easy yeah totally champagne supernova i could do like two nights at wembley stadium as part of oasis
2: i support this i think this is a great idea get the old band back together again minus some people
0: yeah minus both gallagher's how about the new
1: beatles where it's paul mccartney ringo Starr, rome uh (laughs) then the other rome the dark ambient guy and uh ariel pink
2: the Beatles and Rome's.
1: The Beatles and Feature- Rome's featuring Ariel Feature- Pink.
2: Featuring Rome's featuring Ariel Pink. <laughs> Ariel Pink and Eric Clapton should tour together.
0: They really should.
2: Yeah. Ariel Clapton. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How about Grimes with Rome?
2: <laughs> I'm going to reform Radiohead with myself as the singer.
0: <laughs> They'd be the hardest band to break up because they never really have any tension. We need to like uh Send women after them to try to become a yoko or something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> just increasing, like increasingly wacky sort of schemes to get them mad at each other.
0: Yeah, <laughs> or even just like we plant like a roadie. Oh, even this is too hard too because I think they've had the same like crew for many years too. We could like try to plant someone who's a really bad guitar tech to make them mad, but I don't think they're even like looking for people, you know. <laughs>
2: I love the idea is sabotaging a band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like this intricate plot. Yeah. Like an Ocean's Eleven style heist or something, except we're just like getting five different guys to do five different horrible things at one show to ruin it and then make them all hate each other.
1: There's yeah. like a, the a fake... producer's level plot where uh, like the tour manager doesn't want them to go on tour anymore or something.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
1: they
0: hire guys to yeah. ruin it. Well, first we get Radiohead to make an album about Hitler. Like the producers, <laughs> 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 and then yeah, we just get our own sound guy in there who's about mixing their hairdos. Ah, oh, you're right. See, so when to talk stop about the rest guys. of them. they get along too well. They, I think making Radiohead hate each other really is like the real prize in rock music breakups.
2: Yeah, that's the sweetest plum right there. <laughs> Who replaced my modular with a stack of sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> Who'd be was the it easiest you, Tom? To I know it. it was you. You've always hated my modular synth playing.
1: <laughs>
0: Who would be the easiest band to do it to? I mean, again, Oasis
2: mm. is up there. I
1: feel like it would be Van Halen.
0: Yeah, that's probably true too.
1: Every time they get together, they break up like a week later. And you've got yeah, all that M and M stuff where you could uh, you could mess up the M Ms or put like put Skittles in the M M&M and M jar, and then they all get pissed off.
0: I think the Pixies I mean, at the right point in time would be another one where they're all so drunk and angry anyway that you could just do the slightest thing to, to set them all off, probably.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it would take much. Motley Crue, too. That would have been easy. Oh, yeah.
0: You don't even have to go to the show. You just find him at the strip club and then create some kind of mishap there. Just take all the singles out of one of their wallets and put it in the other guy's wallet. And... You get
1: Tommy okay. stuck upside down in the drum thing, and then you have Vince <laughs> fuck his girlfriend.
2: This is a good idea. This is a money making idea because like you know, okay, so if you're like a state intelligence service, you hire mercenaries to go uh to go assassinate the leader of a country that uh, you want to extract wealth from or continue extracting wealth from but if you're uh if you're a record label guy or like a competing band, you hire us to go ruin a band yeah. <laughs> <to> yeah. Our- <laughs> Take out the competition, as it were.
1: Isn't that what the Brian jonestown Massacre and that other
0: band did? Oh, Dandy Warhols? Yeah.
2: Yeah, they were feuding with each other.
0: Two bands I've always found very dull. Dandy Warhols had one album that was, like, relatively good. Although I haven't listened to it in, like, over 10 years. But <laughs> I used to think it was fairly... Like, 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia, some of those songs are pretty good. Yeah, it's And all there are other right. ones that are not singles, like... All the ones that are like just like Ebo and kind of droney stuff, they're pretty cool. But again, yeah, not exactly a, a memorable band overall. Brian Jonestown Massacre, horrible band
1: name. Yes. Brian Jones wasn't even cool. He sucked. Yeah. He just happened to die at the same time yeah. that like Janice Joplin died.
0: That's like that band name was ahead of its time. Because all the truly terrible puns came in like the 2000s and 2010s, like Ringo Death Star and whatever. Having that Mm -hmm. bad of a pun name in the 90s was really uh, predicting the future there.
1: The other day I saw someone with the Twitter display name Gringo Star, and it must be someone who doesn't know that that was a band.
0: Yeah. Or it's has been completely
1: forgotten. The worst one of those I ever saw was someone who called it Cocaine Cola, or who made their name that, not realizing (laughs) that that's (laughs) what it is. Yeah. Like they thought they were
0: making a joke. This this just popped back in my head from about a minute ago, but um, when you're talking about Tommy Lee on his roller coaster and we were talking about Motley Crue at the strip club, I'm stunned that Tommy Lee's never had this idea. And I think if we could ever talk to him, I would want to pitch this to him that has he ever thought of just bringing his drum roller coaster to the strip club and just whizzing around <laughs> in the air, throwing dollar bills and like watching the show? That would be sick. You know what that I would, just thought a good of? Idea. He would, be, he would never be happier in his life than that. That's everything he likes to do. They should put Mick Mars in an upside-down
1: thing because he's got that back problem. <laughs> and it, yeah, it, like, him being on like an inversion table, yeah, like, yeah, that could really That's help great. him a lot with his spinal anti, anticlonitis or whatever.
0: Yeah, Tommy Lee should be selling that to other band members and then other artists afterward of, like, as you become geriatric, this thing actually helps you perform better and it looks cool as fuck. Like, I want to see all the Rolling Stones inverted. Like, if you're paying $250 to see the fucking Rolling Stones at age, like, 85, they better at least be, like, on a roller coaster the whole time doing, like, loop-de-loops and shit. God, imagining
1: Mick Jagger being put upside down, and then he, like, all of his, like, chin and face skin flips up, and it covers his eyes, and he can't see. (laughs)
2: he's singing and it's just kind of flapping with the breath from his mouth
0: yeah they should do that actually another way to break up radiohead would be at the last minute distract phil selway and send tommy lee out instead yes like a guy who can barely keep track of what's happening in 4-4 time and then make him play like a bunch of 5-4 songs and shit
2: you got to put uh, Tommy Lee in a full Phil Selway suit, though, like a human yeah, suit. Yeah, you shave
0: him bald right before he goes out. Yeah. But then his drum roller coaster starts, starts acting up out there, and you get stuck upside down. Perfect. Or he grabs Tom York and makes him come on the roller coaster with him. <laughs> that, would be, I, that would honestly be the first thing to ever make Tom York mad on stage. It's really amazing that the Tommy Lee drum thing has never killed anybody.
1: Yeah. Least of all him. Like somehow that shit gets stuck every single time, <laughs> but it's also designed well enough that the drums don't fall off. Like someone doesn't just get killed from a floor tom falling on their head. Somehow they understand. secured all that shit, and that he doesn't fall down, but it gets stuck every single time.
2: It was, it's, it was that, a, it's just a dog
0: dog brain luck. Like Yeah, it's true. There's something about Tommy Lee that prevents well, I was going to say prevents serious uh, accidents, but obviously that's not true of the kid who drowned in his pool. But it prevents serious accidents to himself, I think, by having some kind of just weird cosmic stupidity. But he has such positive vibes that the universe doesn't want to mess with him. But it wasn't in one other episode, didn't we talk about how it, on the final show of their final tour, his uh, roller coaster got stuck for like a half hour? It's such like a fitting end to their, their touring.
1: Doesn't he have to piss and shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> he drinks a lot. I don't know if he does anymore, but he used to Yeah, do maybe a not anymore. Like, they would have a, a race between the band where they would all chug a thing of Jack Daniels. So I assume he has to piss a lot. And if he's just stuck up there for half an hour, catheter, I'm imagining, like, uh, just pee, like, dribbling from his pants upside down down his stomach over his face and then down <laughs> onto the audience
0: or like when we read his book and uh they made like the guitar tech bring him a bottle cap of coke to sniff while he's playing they should do that while he's upside down on the roller coaster and the guy's just like trying to get up there like 40 feet in the air with his bottle cap <laughs> it's like an, Change, an empty two changing liter Mountain
1: catheter dude just <laughs> trying to put it over his his dick and his dick's too big
2: and and just it's like a, flying
1: all over the place while he's peeing like a fire hose. And just bring him a crazy straw for the Coke. There's so much physical comedy you can get out of the Upside Down drum set.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, the drum roller coaster is the greatest innovation in live music, like, ever.
2: Yeah, just being upside down and doing like a trick, like flipping your sticks, but forgetting that gravity is uh, working in the opposite <laughs> direction.
0: <laughs> just immediately drop them.
1: <laughs> you have to have them on a lanyard. Yeah. Or like
2: um, Spend, spending millions to solve that problem.
0: Like uh, the guy in Japan Droids who always just like play, plays so intensely that he's just assuming he's going to lose a bunch of sticks. So he's always got like 30 sticks uh, in like a little canister, uh, or maybe on like a hi-hat or something. Be funny for that, too. If you just go upside down and then 30 drumsticks just <laughs> fall out of the air. Your car keys, your wallet, everything's just sliding out.
2: Your phone.
0: <laughs> it's like a swarm of arrows coming down through the air. But there's so many ways. Like, even that is another way to just hurt the audience. Where it is amazing how only Tommy Lee's been inconvenienced by it, but never hurt.
2: Charmed life.
0: He is invincible. He really should have died. All those guys should have died.
1: But only the guy in Vince Neal's car died. And the kid in Tommy Lee's. And pool. that kid. It's just the people around them, but they're fine.
0: Yeah. Don't get near them, but if you are them, I mean life's peachy. The fact that Mick Mars is alive at all is pretty remarkable
1: cuz he's yeah. like 78. And he has some disease where he has to be like held
0: up by a little man behind him like FDR. Well, he should have been more like Tommy Lee and just had a Jaeger machine in his home that helps to keep him youthful by drinking a liquor that only 18-year-olds enjoy. It keeps you youthful throughout life.
2: What it's it medicine. Is you- it's medicine yeah it's a mix of what 36 herbs they they sell it at the pharmacy in in germany
1: it's more herbs than dr pepper
0: and it was made by a real doctor dr jaegermeister the master of jaegers i know there's not really a clean way to wrap this one up because it was such a little hodgepodge here but uh i don't know somehow we ended up just back at uh we really just kind of played the hits of checking in on all kinds of people we're interested to see what they're doing you know
2: We covered a lot of ground and came up with a really great business idea, which is we're now available. If you have a band that you need uh, destroyed from the inside out, call us. Or if you
0: need magical healing properties from something that's fun and self-destructive to enjoy, we'll hook you up with some medicinal Jaeger.
1: (laughs) I'm still laughing at the Tommy Lee's dick. (laughs) Spinning around like a wild fire hose, while a uh, guitar <laughs> techs trying to grab it and direct it into an empty soda bottle
0: with a lasso, just trying to lasso it up. He's <laughs> upside down, pissing all over the audience.
2: Well, the rest of the band just vamps like <laughs> blue, blues in E, looking with more With no and more drums, though. yeah, with no drums.